0: Tonight, the UK COVID variant is detected in BC. Why, there could be many more cases here. Plus, a horrific crash on the New West Coquitlam border sends a family to hospital. What police are now investigating and... Just see him smile and have like the last bit of time together. Home for the holidays. One BC family's decision about their loved one in care.
2: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
0: Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Health officials have confirmed the first case of the new more infectious COVID-19 variant is here in BC. The Vancouver Island resident now in isolation had recently returned from the UK where the variant was first detected. Grace Key has more on this and the growing number of cases in Canada. BC has its first case of the
3: COVID-19 variant first identified in the United Kingdom. The person lives in the Island Health region and recently returned from the UK on Air Canada Flight 855 on December 15. A statement from the province reads, the individual developed symptoms while in quarantine and was immediately tested. Testing confirmed the positive diagnosis on December 19. A small number of close contacts have been isolated and public health is following up with them daily. It's this variant in the UK
0: is increasing transmission by about um, 50%. And so uh, it's not changing the death rates as far as we can tell, which is good or the rates of hospitalization. But increasing by 50%, the transmission rate, means that we could go
4: from really bending the curve down in places like British Columbia to seeing another spike in cases.
3: Now a third case in Ontario has been identified. An individual from Ottawa has also returned from the UK on December 19 and new information involving a Durham region couple, Canada's first case of the variant, additional investigation has now revealed they did in fact have contact with a recent traveler from the UK. There is a Canada-wide travel ban on all flights arriving from the UK until January 6. It's believed the vaccine will work against this variant, and though early data suggests it transmits at a higher rate, more studies need to be done.
1: If it's found that this new variant is definitively associated with increase in transmissibility and has features such as higher viral loads, it will mean that this will be more difficult to control. So that means all the basic measures that we're taking now have to be reinforced.
3: Health officials are reminding people to follow
0: public health rules. Grace Key, Global News. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, now that the variant is confirmed here in BC, do you know what measures officials may be considering?
5: Yeah, I I actually talked to Dr. Bonnie Henry today briefly. She walked me through what's going to be happening. Not a huge change to where we are right now. Uh, And again, she says this was not unexpected. This was expected to come here just like it's arriving in other jurisdictions and countries. Take a look at this, though. One thing she is looking for is more resources spent to monitor people who already are in quarantine because this particular variant is, as Grace reported, so much more infectious. The transmission rate is so much greater. Uh, She told me there's no interprovincial travel ban. And being considered despite a report on the weekend and basically no change to the existing public health orders but she's urging people to slow down and minimize contacts again just to reinforce what's already in place in terms of banning gatherings and events uh, is, again the order right now expires january 8th with this introduction of this new virus maybe that means it's going to be extended. Who knows? But uh, no real change in orders right now. But again, we're at the beginning of a brand new uh, episode.
0: No kidding. Uh, Okay, the next briefing by Dr. Henry and Minister Dix is on Tuesday. What can we expect then?
5: Well, you can expect some questions on the new variant for sure, but also, you know, it's going to be four days worth of case numbers, and before you jump to anyone jumps to the conclusion, it's going to be a massive number. I did talk to Health Minister Adrian Dix today. He suspects there wasn't as much testing done, of course, on Christmas Day and perhaps Boxing Day, so perhaps the numbers won't be as high as normally we'd see in a four-day period. Uh, the good news, Colin, is we've been trending down. Our rolling seven-day case average has been down more than a hundred in the space of a week. We've gone from we've started to cut into our mortality rate from 18 people dying a day on average to now down to 13. So hopefully those trends continue as we see the numbers through the holiday weekend, the next briefing Tuesday at three o'clock.
0: All right. Thanks, Keith. The province's police watchdog is investigating what can only be described as a holiday tragedy, a devastating crash on the new Westminster Coquitlam border that has sent a young family to hospital. As Kristen Robinson reports, police say it began with a speeding driver evading a traffic stop. A family's
4: Sunday morning commute, upended by an alleged speeding driver fleeing a police traffic stop. Five people from this destroyed vehicle, including children, sent to hospital, along with the driver of a gray Dodge Charger, which ended up in a ditch off the Brunette overpass in Coquitlam. Two of the injured are in critical condition. The incident began more than a kilometer west of here, where BC's Independent Investigations Office says information from RCMP indicates an officer conducting speed radar on Highway 1 eastbound in Burnaby tried to stop the charger, but its driver kept going, eventually leaving the highway at Brunette Avenue and slamming into the family's vehicle.
1: We've seen multiple collisions.
4: Coquitlam's mayor says the aging Brunette Overpass is undersized and badly designed, one of the few interchanges not redone as part of the Portman Highway 1 upgrades completed in 2015.
1: We're left with a piece of infrastructure we've been trying to get improved, desperately trying to get improved for decades. It's actually our worst uh, area, according to ICBC, for traffic collisions.
4: The police watchdog asking anyone who saw, heard, or recorded this tragic sequence of events to contact them.
6: It's Christmas time. Please slow down.
1: Stick to the posted speed. Let's all arrive safely.
0: Kristen Robinson, Global News. In Richmond, a woman was killed in a collision yesterday evening. It happened in a marked crosswalk at Number 2 on Andrews Roads just after 5 o'clock. The pedestrian was rushed to hospital but later died of her injuries. Police say the driver of the vehicle remained on scene and is cooperating with the investigation. Speed and alcohol have been ruled out as factors. Former politician Rich Coleman is under fire again, this time for a social media post that fell flat. Last night, the ex-deputy premier issued a baffling tweet joking about the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine. He deleted it soon after, but the damage was already done. Paul Johnson reports.
2: In recent times, he's been one of B.C.'s longest-serving and most high-profile politicians. The former MLA for Langley East, Rich Coleman, hit his peak during Christy Clark's B.C. Liberal government. But now, even in retirement, he's finding his way back into the news.
7: I have a lot of friends in all the camps uh, that are running for leadership.
2: His latest splash is this, a tweet that went out Saturday night where the former deputy premier wrote, how will we know if the vaccines are working? Will the survival rate go from 995 to 99.7%? Really strangely, night of Boxing Day, before 8 o'clock, Rich Coleman posts a variant of a meme that's been going around. Mo Amir is a Vancouver podcaster and contributor to Global's sister radio station CKNW and says Coleman's tweet is noteworthy for two reasons. Got a lot of backlash because it was kind of playing into this anti-vax, anti-mask, uh, skepticism of what COVID is uh, phenomenon that you do see online. Bonnie oh. Henry's oh. 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 And it hasn't been just online. A potent mix of COVID denialism and conspiracy theory has emerged as a consequence of the pandemic. So whether he intended or not, a high-profile British Columbian making a statement that can be construed to throw shade on the importance of vaccinations gets noticed. There's also the logical question of why he appeared to be talking about vaccine effectiveness and COVID-19 case survival rates at the same time. Conflating those two really doesn't make any sense, and it's actually quite dumb. For his part, Coleman yanked the tweet very quickly the same night, and in another, said, So I tweeted something earlier, and on reflection thought it wasn't funny. My bad. Sorry, folks. Coleman didn't respond to a call from Global News Sunday. Paul Johnson, Global News.
8: (laughs)
0: A small group opposed to the public health orders and restrictions tied to the pandemic rallied at the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon, many of them ignoring the rules of social distancing and gathered together to seek shelter from the rain. B.C. restaurants are getting a break starting today with food delivery service fees capped at 15 percent. The temporary 15 percent limit on fees charged to restaurants by food delivery apps like Skip the Dishes, DoorDash and Uber Eats was announced by the B.C. government just before Christmas. Online ordering and processing fees will be capped at 5 percent to ensure companies don't shift delivery costs elsewhere. The cap will be in place until three months after the provincial COVID state of emergency is lifted. New Year's Eve is normally a moneymaker for B.C. bars and restaurants, but that won't be the case when we welcome 2021 on Thursday night. Instead, as Global's Jamie to Wheel reports, we're being told to revel at home with those we live with.
6: Face masks, social distancing, limits on patrons, and no booze after 10 p.m. Just some of the restrictions local establishments are having to tap dance around ahead of what's usually one of their busiest nights of the year. Obviously, with an event like New Year's Eve, which breaks into midnight in the, in the new year, um, that can definitely hinder uh, the vibe. But you know, people are used used to everything as as is right now, and um, and we have a lot of reservations for New Year's Eve. Bar owners being forced to think outside the box, trying to accommodate customers wanting to put 2020 to bed and ring in a new year without the ability to host or even promote any special events. Other local owners, like the Curious Cafe's Luigi Coccaro, have
9: also been forced to get creative. I mean, obviously, yeah, it changes the concept of New Year's Eve, but I think this whole year everybody's been adapting and I don't think people are going to mind celebrating a little earlier and probably going to bed a little earlier and not necessarily waking up with a hangover.
6: I think we all can agree hangovers are no fun but what about the restrictions themselves? We know they'll remain in place here in BC until at least January the 8th possibly beyond. An opinion of those restrictions amongst bar goers and potential diners here in Kelowna appears to be mixed.
1: I think it's kind of uh not very sensible that they're
6: open in the first place.
0: I think they're a bit excessive, but I understand that we want to get this under control and we want to stop the spread.
6: Abiding by all the restrictions is super important and ensuring that we're doing everything we can because if we don't do anything, if we, if we, if we see these, uh, I guess, like kind of revolt against restrictions that we have seen in, in marches and stuff, I mean, that kind of stuff is going to delay everything, right? And, and we're not in it for that. Jamie Tawil, Global News, Kelowna.
0: Four employees at the Sun Peaks Grand Hotel are in self-isolation after testing positive for COVID-19. A statement from the hotel says it's in communication with health authorities about the situation. The community was made aware of the positive tests on Saturday by a post from the medical director of the Sun Peaks Health Centre. According to the hotel, the cases are believed to be related to social interactions outside the workplace it adds no guests have been impacted a northeastern bc mountain is welcoming skiers again after shutting down for a day due to non-compliance with the mask mandate bear mountain ski hill outside dawson creek announced it would be closing last tuesday due to guests unwillingness to wear face coverings in the building and the hill reopened the next day with a plan to enforce COVID rules Volunteers, staff and guests must wear face coverings and maintain social distancing in the chalet. A first offence will see violators warned. Skiers will be suspended for the remainder of the day on a second offence. Suspensions keep increasing until the fifth offence when violators will lose ski hill privileges for the season. An outbreak has been declared at a long-term care and assisted living home in Vernon. Interior Health says four staff members and six residents have tested positive. All six of the residents are in long-term care areas of the facility. Visits have been halted across the entire facility as a result. A special avalanche warning remains in effect for much of western Canada. The snow that blanketed parts of the region over the past week has come down on a weak layer, bringing the snowpack to a tipping point where large avalanches can easily be triggered. The higher risk areas include Kootenay Boundary, the Columbia, and North and South Rockies. North Shore Rescue is urging people to exercise caution by staying in bounds or by bringing avalanche equipment if heading into the backcountry.
9: We understand that a lot of people have got nice new, brand new equipment, and they want to get out and use that. Just please, we caution you to be careful with that. Go with someone that knows what they're doing keep your social distance, but do it safely.
0: With the pandemic leaving thousands of BC seniors isolated over the holidays, a Kamloops family is grateful to have their father home from long-term care this Christmas. CFJC's Chad Clausen has the story of a unique homecoming. Are you happy to be home, dad?
8: It's a gift for Stacy Shansen back and her sister, Teresa Arcy.
0: Those little smiles
10: mean oh. the world.
8: Their dad, Roger, is back living at Stacy's house after spending five months in long-term care.
10: We've settled into a nice routine, and he's happy, smiling, eating well, just kind of like it was before he left.
8: Roger lived with his daughter Stacy for two years before going to Gemstone. At Gemstone, the girls could only have 20-minute visits, and only one of them at a time if it was inside. When Roger was declared palliative at the end of October, Stacy applied to be an essential visitor, which would have allowed her to visit in his room without a barrier and on a more regular basis. However, the application was denied. She was told he had to be actively dying. That was the last straw. It all ignited the idea of bringing him home.
10: From what I'd read, part of the guidelines was palliative care could have essential visitors. Um, and then when we, th- I stopped and thought about it, I thought to put on all the gear and go in, he likely wouldn't recognize us. Is anyone different from the caregivers there? So we just thought, you know what, he needs to see smiles. He needs to know people care about him and can hug him.
8: It was a joint decision ultimately between Stacy and Teresa, who feels incredibly blessed to be able to see her dad without restrictions.
4: Oh, It's been amazing just being able to hug him and just see him smile and have like the last bit of time together without masks, without through a window. So it's just been really nice face-to-face, holding hands.
8: Roger has his own room, and there are lifts provided by Interior Health to get him in bed.
4: I couldn't have asked for anything else this Christmas that would have
10: sort of filled my heart as much. We've always had Christmas with our dad, and uh, we
0: just wanted one more.
8: Jack Lassen, CFJC News.
0: The pandemic means another B.C. tradition has had to pivot to online. For more than 70 years, the B.C. Youth Parliament has been held at the B.C. Legislature. Nearly 100 young people between 16 and 21 years old from across the province gather to hold their annual session. Not this year. For the first time, they'll be meeting virtually to discuss important issues like the lowering of the minimum voting age and implementing mandatory vaccination programs. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry has been invited to serve as the, this year's Youth Parliament Honorary Lieutenant Governor. A close call for a deer on Vancouver Island. Two days before Christmas, conservation officers in Oak Bay caught up with a deer that had been spotted with an arrow in its side. They were able to safely sedate the animal and remove the arrow. Fortunately, the deer was able to walk away. The Conservation Service is hoping the public will come forward with information about the incident. Have a look at this. Some might call it a Christmas miracle. Believe it or not, a woman is recovering after the car she was driving went over a cliff. It happened on Friday in San Francisco. This is the overturned vehicle on the beach at Fort Funston. Fire crews responded to the scene and the driver was taken to a trauma center. Officials say the woman was in serious but stable condition. A major COVID-19 outbreak in a Scarborough long-term care home has led to the deaths of dozens of seniors during the Christmas break. The outbreak is now being managed by a local hospital authority. But as Morgan Campbell reports, families are calling for more help than that.
10: They are heart-wrenching images to take in as a family gathers on the front lawn of this long-term care home east of Toronto, pleading for help as Tender Care Living Centre grapples with a major outbreak of the novel coronavirus. She's tested positive for COVID. And she's scared. She's isolated. She's mentally unstable. This is Jessica Wong's grandmother, Jean, a strong-willed, happy woman who loves socializing and peanut butter sandwiches. She is one of 128 residents and 69 staff members diagnosed with COVID-19. Over the Christmas break, 41 residents have died from the disease. North York General Hospital is now managing the outbreak, which they believe is connected to community transport transmission. The company that runs the home is looking to recruit additional staff, writing in a statement, tender care has been hit hard by the virus, and as a result, a significant number of staff are infected and have been forced to isolate. We have reached out to the surrounding hospitals, Ontario Health and staffing agencies for additional resources to support resident care. Advocacy groups have been sounding the alarm as the industry continues to see escalating numbers of homes battling similar outbreaks.
4: Something has to change. Government needs to sever its connection with the industry. Policy needs to be made in the public interest, not in the interests of the industry. It would make sense if this level of carnage was happening equally in all of the homes, but it isn't. And ownership matters. And the worst and most devastating outbreaks have consistently been in these for-profit facilities. And The data doesn't lie.
10: The home maintains infection prevention and control education are well underway. But families with loved ones behind these walls say they want to see more done, which means adding additional staff right away and potentially bringing in military resources. We need more transparency and communication with the the home itself and
0: with the families. And we need the government to take action.
10: Morgan Campbell, Global News, Toronto.
0: Breaking news out of the U.S. and a last-minute reprieve from a looming U.S. government shutdown. According to the Associated Press, President Donald Trump has signed the COVID relief bill, tweeting late this afternoon there was good news coming. He had been highly criticized for holding up the $2.3 trillion government spending package, with unemployment benefits having run out for millions of Americans, eviction protections running out at the end of the week, and many small businesses requiring new loans to survive. Authorities say a person of interest in the Christmas Day explosion in Nashville died in the blast. Investigators now say tissue found at the site is that of the re- was that of the remains of Anthony Quinn Warner. Police and federal agents have spent two days scouring for clues at a suburban home linked to Warner. A Google Street View image of the address shows an RV similar to the one police believe was used in the bombing. Investigators say they don't believe anyone else was involved in the attack and are still trying to determine a motive. A powerful storm is hammering Britain right now. Bella is dumping rain and packing hurricane-force winds of up to 170 kilometres an hour. And the weather system is causing widespread flooding across the UK, leaving dozens of drivers stranded and train service disrupted. Across the channel in France, nearly all of the country is under storm warnings. In Iran, a series of avalanches have killed at least 12 people. State TV is reporting several others are missing. Rescue teams are now searching a mountainous area north of Tehran for survivors. The slides happened on Friday after the region was hit by snowfall and powerful winds. The mountain range is popular on weekends for hiking and climbing.
1: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
0: Some insight into how Hollywood royalty lives when they're making movies. We're going to show you right after Yvonne's forecast. Yeah, you're going to (laughs) want to see this. It's very interesting. Yvonne, uh, I was just, I I took a sneak peek at your forecast.
11: Not as much sunshine is in there as I'd like, but I'll (laughs) let you do the to the honours. There is a bit of sunshine in there, and I'll show you which day, but it's been pretty great today. We're actually still tracking some rainfall this evening, and then it is going to brighten up as we get in towards our Monday. This is a great shot that was captured today in Burnaby, so thank you so much, Kelly, at Deer Lake. Uh, we have seen some fog for the early morning hours, and we'll continue to see that once again for our Monday morning. Here's the wave of moisture, however, it is going to be wet still for this evening, and then overnight tonight this wave of moisture should start to push its way towards the east, and we will have drier conditions. As we get get in through uh, this evening. We're currently sitting at 6 degrees. Overnight, though, we will be close to the freezing mark. The precipitation will ease off, and we will have temperatures close to or hovering the freezing mark. So bundle up for the early morning hours. There's that fog. As we get in towards the afternoon, we'll start to see some breaks, and highs tomorrow will bump up to 6 degrees. So here's the moisture that we're tracking for this evening. It'll start to clear out. We'll still see a few light flurries, especially for the mountain passes and higher elevations. There is a much-needed break along the northern half of the province, and then for the next two days, we are tracking the next weather maker now here's a quick glance what we're seeing for tomorrow morning so still some light snowfall for the mountain passes the southeastern corners of the province that'll start to ease off and then the next system is going to work its way in along the northern half of the province but that'll be likely closer towards tuesday if you're traveling along the mountain passes tomorrow morning two and up to four centimeters should ease off towards the afternoon but check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. A nice break across the northern half tomorrow. Highs will be up to four inland, still chilly, close to or hovering the freezing mark. Dry for the northeastern corners of the province. That stretches across the central interior. Flurries for the southeastern corners, especially for the Colombian. Kootenay, just for the morning hours and a few spots along the mountain passes and then a nice break in drier conditions for the evening. A clearing for areas near Whistler and then all areas across the south coast. We will have that fog for the morning hours. Dissipating, some breaks. Tomorrow looks to be one of the nicer days in the long range, so get out and enjoy it. We'll have some drier conditions, and then on Tuesday, it's late in the day that we've got some rain. Early morning hours, we could see some flurries on Wednesday. It's still a few days out. Thursday, and looking ahead towards the new year. Could be a soggy start, but temperatures will be closer to six degrees. Colleen?
0: All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. The Alberta home Leonardo DiCaprio stayed in while filming his Oscar-winning movie, The Revenant, is up for auction. The 15,000-square-foot Tuscan-inspired home outside of Calgary was rented to the Oscar winner in 2014. DiCaprio and others stayed in the home for several months during the filming. There are seven bedrooms and six full bathrooms, an indoor pool, gym, and home theater, plus parking for 10 of your cars. <laughs> I think
11: it was back in 2014, Leonardo DiCaprio rented it while he was filming The Revenant. So there was a period of maybe three or four months where he was renting the property. And him and um, I think it was approximately 10 others um, who were part of his uh, entourage uh, stayed in the home, which was cool. They're into this property for just over $15 million. Today, you can't rebuild homes for that price. I think the most unique thing is that everything was really was imported. Everything is solid wood. Everything is beautifully finished.
0: The, au- the home is up for auction with no reserve price and was listed for sale at $8.5 million, but is valued at more than $15 million. I don't know, Barry, not big enough for your entourage. No, <laughs> I don't
1: think so. Actually, I heard if you look hard enough, you can find some uh, the supermodel phone numbers stashed throughout <laughs> oh. the house. So, you know, that would be an added bonus for anyone who want to look at We
0: should include that in the specs. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay, what do you got coming up?
1: Well, uh, Team Canada back on the ice at the World Juniors. Yesterday, they beat the Germans 16-2. to Not quite as much of a blowout uh, today against the Slovaks. Actually, a very close game, so we'll have highlights of that coming up. And the Seahawks have won the NFC West Division. Very impressive win over a tough foe. They have so many problems with the Rams, they had to really work for it. But uh, in the end, they came through, so we'll have highlights of that as well.
0: Excellent. Looking forward to it.
2: Canuck Place Children's Hospice is where the sickest kids and their families celebrate living. Give short lives the gift of great days. Don't wait. Please donate. Proudly supported by Global BC.
0: A man in Delaware finally has his class ring more than five decades after graduating from high school. You see, he lost it on a beach years ago, but in the search for it, he may have found something even more precious.
9: Nice, nice. Bob Clarkin finally has a Brandywine High School class ring back on his finger. It's been a while, but it's, it's cool to have a, my ring back. In late summer, Bob kept checking the mail for his original Brandywine High School class of 65 ring he lost on Cocoa Beach, Florida in the 70s. A Florida couple found it in the late 80s and just recently decided to Google and contact the school. Word spread quickly on Facebook, it had to be Bob's ring, right? But when he got it in the mail...
5: So I I knew right away it wasn't a boy's ring.
9: Yep, it was a girl's ring with the initials KCF. After scouring his yearbook, he figured the ring had to have belonged to his classmate Karen C. Foreman, who also amazingly must have lost her Brandywine High class of 65 ring in the same stretch of sand some 800 miles south of Brandywine
5: High. We'll do our best to, to pass it to the right person.
9: Turns out Karen died years ago, but Bob found her son who lives just a few minutes away from the Florida couple that found the ring. Bob sent it to him right away. I'm a big man, and I'll tell you what, you know, it, 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 I shed a couple tears today.
0: We have kept in touch with them, and, um, and it's been great. They're great people.
9: A nice ending to the story, except for one thing. After all his kindness, Bob was still ringless. He didn't get a ring. <laughs> you know, he had a ring and then it wasn't his ring. Rick Shea is the athletic director at Brainy Wine High School and decided Bob needed a ring. He went to Justin's jewelers and they created this and it fit perfectly. Plus, Justin's loved Bob's story. But what was really cool was he was he wanted to get it to the rightful owner. And so Justin's
5: made the ring for free.
9: After 50 years. And Bob promises he will never wear this ring on a beach.
5: But this is really neat to get a to get a new one. Thank you. Thank you very much.
6: help lift each other up online by taking part in Pink Shirt Day. COVID-19 has impacted everyone and shown the importance of helping one another and advocating for those who need it. Help support anti-bullying initiatives by purchasing your pink shirt today. Be part of the holiday tradition and give to Lights of Hope. From now until January 12th, give some light and hope by donating to St. Paul's Foundation. Your donations make it possible to save lives, provide warm clothing to patients in need, and fund research initiatives at St. Paul's Hospital. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC, celebrating 60 years of broadcasting. Celebrating 60 years as BC's News.
0: Barry's here with Sports, and uh, I was a little busy today. Never got a chance to check in on what's happening with the World Juniors. Thank goodness you're here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, his big blowout win yesterday, but the, this tournament's all about. Just uh, you know, getting ready for the for the elimination games, the playoff round. So Canada got got something uh, good to build off today. Thanks so much, Colleen. Team Canada got off to a rousing start at the World Juniors on Saturday, blasting the Germans 16 to two. But it figured to be a much tighter game today against Slovakia, a feisty team that defends well and truthfully. Good for Canada to get some real competition. Slovaks beat the Swiss 1-0 in their opener so they can defend. First period, though, Canada off to a quick start. Four minutes in, defenseman Jordan Spence in the high slot will snap it into the wide open net. It's one nothing Canada, but it stays that way late into the second Canadian giveaway, but a great save by Canadian goalie, Devon uh, Levi, just his eighth save of the uh, game, remains one nothing after two. Slovaks doing a great job defensively. Connor McMichael gets in alone, great move, but Samuel Halavai with the save, still one nothing. Finally, with three and a half to go, some breathing room. Philip Tomasino sent in alone, roofs it, great goal. That makes it two nothing Canada. Every one of their forwards on Canadian team is a first round NHL draft choice, but the Slovaks weren't done yet. They get a power play and convert with the goalie out. So a six on four, Martin Kromiak snaps it pass Levi. 2-1, 84 seconds to go but Canada seals the deal on the empty netter from Jack Quinn. So Canada answers the challenge against the pesky Slovaks, 3-1 final. Canada now 2-0, they meet Switzerland in their next game on Tuesday. And speaking Canada of the Swiss, they took like on the Finns in, one in one the same group as Canada, of course. Second period tied at one. Pretty solo effort by Yuso Parsinen. Dangles into the zone and then sticks the backhander short side. Great goal there. Finns take a 2-1 lead. Then mid-third on the power play. Aku Ratti with the high tip. And the Finns go to 2-0 after beating the Swiss 4-1. Canada and Finland meet on New Year's Eve in what should be a showdown for first place in the group. The Seahawks could clinch the NFC West today. All they had to do, beat their nemesis, the Rams, this afternoon in Seattle. But L.A.'s defense has just given the Seahawks fits in recent times. Seahawks only scored 16 points in their previous meeting six weeks ago in L.A. Could the offense finally break through with so much on the line today. Rams defense ranked in the top five in all the major categories and right on cue they were a handful again today. Sacking Russell Wilson, Leonard Floyd doing the honors. Hawks did get a field goal out of it. Three, th- uh, three game in the second quarter. Hawks defense though also making life tough on the Rams. Jared Goff floats one to uh, nobody, at least on his team. Seahawks Quandre digs there for the interception. It didn't go much better, though, for Wilson. Once again, Leonard Floyd will get to him. Third sack of the half for the Rams. Both defenses dominating. It was 6-6 at the break. Hawks offense finally gets some traction in the third quarter. Wilson on the run. Great throw here and a great catch by David Moore. A 45-yard gain, and that would lead to this. Russell Wilson will keep it and take it in for the game's first touchdown. 13-6 Seattle out front. Meanwhile, the Seahawks defense coming up large again. Rams fourth and goal from the one, decide to go for it, but the Seahawks will stuff the run. What a turnaround from the first half of the season. Seattle's defense really one of the best in the league right now, It remains 13-6. Fourth quarter, Rams driving for the tying touchdown, but Jaron Reed will sack Goff. Hawks hold the Rams to a field goal, so it's 13-9. And then the Seahawks offense goes to work. An 80-yard drive and nine plays capped by this Wilson 13-yard touchdown pass to Jacob Hollister for the touchdown. 20-9 Seattle. That lead looks pretty safe. Rams desperate. But again, the Hawks defense, who make a big statement. Jaron Reed with another sack. How about that defense now as the Hawks clinch the NFC West 20 to 9 over the Rams and there's word that Goff may have broken his thumb in the game and could miss next week so bad news all around for them. Chase Claypool and the Steelers trying to shake a three-game losing streak taking on the Colts. Claypool 10 touchdowns in his first 10 games but none in the last four. Steelers didn't use him much until the third quarter and then they really do a it's a 34 yard gain here, four catches 54 yards for Claypool, but he liked this play back. A quick slant at the goal line. If he catches it, it's a touchdown, but he just plain drops it. Steelers actually came away with nothing after missing on fourth and goal, so... Chase wishing he could have pulled that one in. But the Steelers do get busy. Roethlisberger going deep. An outstanding diving catch by Deontay Johnson. A 39-yard touchdown. Steelers within 10. And then in the fourth, it's now 24-21. Roethlisberger with another perfect delivery. This one to Juju Smith-Schuster. And the Steelers snap their skid with a rousing 28-24 comeback win over the Colts. Indy drops to 10-5. They're now out of a playoff spot in the tough AFC. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield and the Browns taking on the Jets, who won their first game of the season last week versus the Rams. The Jets peaking late in the season, obviously. Sam Darnold, 30-yard touchdown pass to Jamison Crowder. The Jets up 20-3. Now, the Browns were without four of their top receivers out on the COVID list. Kareem Hunt runs it in from four yards out. The Browns did cut it to 20-16. And with under two minutes to go, Browns inside the Jets, 24th and 1, driving for the game-winning touchdown or at least the game-tying touchdown, but uh, Mayfield fumbles on the sneak. The Browns recovered, but you can't advance a fumble on fourth down. The Jets get the ball, and the Browns doing it the hard way, fall to 10-5, and now own the seventh and final playoff spot in the AFC. Chiefs and Falcons, KC with a chance to clinch the top seed in the conference and a first-round bye, but they were down 14-10 late. Pat Holmes, uh, Mahomes rather, looks like he is picked off in the end zone but it is dropped here by A.J. Terrell. The Chiefs get another chance. And on the next play, the Chiefs make them pay. Mahomes zips it 25 yards to Demarcus Robinson for the touchdown. Casey leads 17-14. But Atlanta did get into field goal range. Their Pro Bowl kicker, Young-Ho Koo, perfect this season. 35 for 35. Was perfect. You believe he misses pressure does things to you atlanta's seventh loss this year by five points or less chiefs 14 and one clinch the first in the afc and those losses by the browns and colts opening the door for the ravens who took on the giants lamar jackson had a pair of touchdown passes including this one to des bryant and the ravens win at 27 13 so baltimore at 10 and 5 are now above the playoff line in the AFC and one more football Washington Football Club had a chance to clinch the NFC East with a win over Carolina but the Panthers weren't going along with it Stephen Sims will muff the punt here Brandon Zalstra recovers in the end zone for the touchdown and the Panthers had a 6 nothing lead second quarter Teddy Bridgewater to Robbie Anderson, 14-yard touchdown. Carolina wins 2013, but Washington can still win the division if they beat the Eagles in their season finale next week. All right, football of another type. Soccer, Premier League, 19th place. West Brom looking for a massive upset at Anfield against defending champ and first place, Liverpool, Sadio Mane gives the home team the lead early in the 12th minute. West Brom didn't have a whole lot of chances but they convert here as Samia Jay will head home the equalizing goal. 1-1 the final. First time Liverpool has dropped points at home but they still do lead by three points over Everton. And NBA Steve Nash off to a 2-0 start as Brooklyn Nets head coach but Charlotte Hornets were pumped to play Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and what a dunk here by Terry Rozier taking it over Durant. Charlotte built up a 16-point lead mid-fourth but the Nets rally Kyrie Irving will stop and pop. Irving had 25. It was a three-point ball game in the final seconds. Brooklyn down two. Kevin Durant Looking for the tie, but it is no good. Durant had 29, but misses at crunch time as the Nets lose for the first time 106-104.
0: With a deadly pandemic sweeping the globe, 2020 didn't give us much to smile about, but many people did all they could to cope by lightening the mood with of an otherwise dark year. Here's how they did it.
7: This is the new normal.
2: <laughs>
7: Wacky acts of freedom were repurposed in 2020
5: <laughs>
7: or done alone this first year of the new decade had everyone uneasy. Oh, no, I ain't messing with you. We had to learn how to enjoy old things in new ways. And being stuck at home was not always a comfort.
3: You can't be
2: destroying my life.
7: Though it was safer for us to remain inside, the human spirit came uncaged and fought our maladies with creativity, love, and in the case of one Norwegian man, 50 hours of nonstop Elvis karaoke. Toilet paper became a pop culture icon missing from store shelves, but venerated in the form of tchotchkes, cake, and fine art. Months of isolation had some people literally climbing the walls like Olympian Brooke Robatu. At one point, coronavirus concerns shut down every major sport, but it didn't stop the games. Yeah! Tennis champ Novak Djokovic kept his reflexes cooking with some frying pans and couch cushions. French player Gael Monfils didn't seem to notice. Pittsburgh Penguin Patrick Marleau had to break a family rule. No rule, help. And pro basketball player Ennis Cantor kept his calorie count up with marshmallows and a treadmill. People pursued personal bests in their own backyards or online in the case of professional swim commentator Dan Hicks.
5: On
2: our way to Olympic gold and get this done at the wall at the last second!
7: Anyone in your quarantine circle could play.
11: Would knock out my brother's teeth.
7: Some teammates had ulterior motives. They
11: come out. Yeah!
7: It did! <laughs> Those who were alone in their bubble could play against the house like this Swiss skier. And that's where we are. Reinventing normal and creating new traditions. It's uncertain what the next year will bring, but if 2020 has taught us anything, it's what we can bring to the next year. Raphael Seth, NBC News.
0: It's always something to smile about. Always.
1: Great thing is no one got injured trying any of those hijinks.
0: (sighs) Good point.
11: Very good point. Uh, One last (laughs) look at the weather forecast, Devon. (laughs) We do have uh, still some showers this evening. It'll ease off overnight. Fog for the morning hours. A nice break is on the way. Monday looks to be the gem out of the forecast so far. The next round of rain is going to move in for a Tuesday night and then soggy for our Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So far, but that's still a few days out. So get out and enjoy some breaks for tomorrow.
0: Sounds good. All right. that is the News Hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11. Have a good night.